94.0, a podcast by Cosmetics Design Europe, brainstorming opportunities in tech and cutting-edge innovation for an industry that can thrive. In this fourth episode, we speak with Maria Semikos, co-founder and CEO of tech startup What's In My Jar, about the rapidly advancing beauty app space and where the true opportunities lie in growing app engagement. Get ready for in-depth insight on building consumer trust, why you shouldn't just follow the tech trends and everything you need to know on digitizing experiences, plugging consumer needs and building apps that can last. So thank you so much for joining us today, Maria. Thank you, Casey, for having me. Now, your company, What's In My Jar, has designed two really interesting consumer apps for the cosmetics market. You've got a sunscreen finder tool and a sensitive skin advisor tool. Could you talk me through these briefly and describe and and tell us the overarching goal behind them? Yes, absolutely. So all of our apps are aimed at making high quality evidence-based skincare advice accessible to people. So we want to make it available at scale using technology, data and technology. And I would say that overall what happened in the last couple of years really is that the amount of products and brands available just exploded, uh, you know, because of e-commerce, uh, direct-to-consumer, uh, also advances in manufacturing is just cheaper to start a brand for many reasons and manufacture uh, skincare products. And consumers do love it. So they love the new products, the new brands, new packaging. That's amazing. At the same time, uh, they do feel overwhelmed by too many choices. What we hear more and more, people really struggle to navigate this market, this exploding market, figuring out whom to trust, what to do, which skincare to buy. And the trouble is the industry is really great at kind of scaling on the products and growing brands. But when it comes to scaling the advice they're giving to consumers, that's very much stayed, uh, stayed the same. So, you know, majority of people still rely on friends and family uh, to give skincare advice, which is often basically outdated. And also, we, of course, we have influencers on YouTube, Instagram, um, but they do face serious uh, trust issues as well. So that's probably one of the reasons why uh, those influencers who are able to brand themselves in a bit more trust worthy way, either with MD title or like brutal honesty, they just skyrocket in popularity. But overall, people increasingly question why, you know, the opinions of influencers as well. And finally, only a tiny fraction of people have access to a dermatologist for quality advice, especially when it comes to cosmetic, not kind of not really medical issues. So people do feel that gap, you know, so the industry is focusing on the product still, uh, kind of uh, everything evolves around the product, but not so much around the consumer skin. And that gap is what consumers are looking to fill in many different ways. And I think we have something to offer when it comes to technology right now. So we can make the high quality advice, skincare advice accessible to people online all over the world at relatively low cost. And that's what kind of all our apps are all about. So our main platform, whatsinmyjar.com, it helps people quickly evaluate the formulation of products just to see, understand kind of the ingredient list and decode it and quickly assess 
their efficacy and irritation potential. And mm-hmm. uh, a very big part of that is we are very consciously avoiding any fear mongering around ingredients. So we're not uh, label ingredients uh, into good or bad. We just um, assess evidence behind the efficacy and also potential for um, causing trouble for sensitive skin types. Mm-hmm. And then the two more specialized applications we have. So one is the sunscreen finder, as you said. So it literally it does what it says in the name, basically. It helps people find a sunscreen that is right for their skin, so something that they can use every day. Because um, sunscreens are really the most complex products in uh, in cosmetic, in skincare right now. So you have all kinds of different UV filters and they are not available in all uh, countries, so you have very specific regulations around them. And then uh, there are lots of side effects when it comes to sun, uh, sunscreen, so when it comes to irritation and eye staining, and also suitability for different skin tones. So uh, just you just have to have a lot of knowledge as a consumer to navigate this, that sunscreen market. So our sunscreen finder helps people solve that issue. And then the second app we have is the Sensitive Skin Advisor. So what it really does, it teaches people to take better care of their sensitive skin. So it takes into account their full skincare routine, all the products they're using, and walks them through it, and also helps them correct any mistakes they're making. And at the end, it recommends uh, more suitable products for them as well. So the bottom line, all of this is focused on scaling high-quality, evidence-based advice, uh, making it accessible online. And importantly, what you're using to do that, Maria, is very smart algorithms and machine learning, right? Yeah, that's correct. We do use different types of technology, so but some of some of it includes machine learning, yes, and and algorithms. Okay, and you've set the scene brilliantly there. You know the point about how we we are seeing these vast product launches, um, brands expanding. How important do you think consumer apps are currently in the cosmetics and personal care market? Um, I would take them as a part of uh, overall kind of the reality is that our world is becoming more and more digital. And we certainly have seen acceleration of that with COVID. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to apps, is is the way to communicate with consumers uh, digitally. It's also a way to uh, represent brand in the digital space. And also kind of the next frontier of the whole digital world is digitizing experiences. And this is when we are talking about augmented reality, virtual reality, all of those bits. And I think we need to kind of the future is where brands will need to learn to create brand equity in the digital world. So right now it's more we're extending brand equity into into digital, but the majority of it is still based on what was formed offline. Mm. And this needs to it will this will evolve. But you asked about like the current situation, right? So how how important they are currently and unfortunately, well, or I think that's uh, that's what what it is. I think the existing consumer apps, an absolute majority of them, they are more popular with the brands themselves than with consumers. So when right. we look, at, yeah, when we look at actually consumers using them, especially using them consistently, not just if you're looking at like you know download numbers, but actual consistent uh, usage, these numbers are pretty low. And but that tells us more about the way the apps are designed and approached rather than the potential of this space uh, more generally. I think the industry took a little bit of a kind of dead dead end approach or like took a wrong branch when it comes to current consumer brands and it will change. And I I think we've already seen it slightly changing. 
Yeah, because uh, we do have a fair selection of consumer apps in the beauty space. Many of them, like your apps, are independent from industry. You've got many of the big brands who have their own apps as well. Could you give me a sense on the balance between what we're seeing more of? I think certainly we have more development from brands at the moment. So most brands are, it's, it's, it's hard, I would say, right now to find a big skincare brand that doesn't have in, an app. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I think these apps are usually either, either the brands recognize themselves they're quite failed projects or they are, uh, they're still trying to figure out what, you know, what to do with them. So investment is definitely going into the area, but in terms of success rate and again, user retention and value it creates to consumers. I think the impact there is very, very limited. And I think the, the problem is not that the apps are branded. So that's not necessarily the issue. It's more they just fail to create value. And I think on many different directions, I think the current apps, especially the branded apps, the approach they took, they are very much built around the technology. So we had, well, we've had a huge advancement in the image recognition technology and machine learning capabilities around image recognition that enabled us to basically very easily, you know, scan people's faces and give them different data points around how the skin looks to the computer algorithm. And uh, technologies there, it's, I think it's fascinating for computer geeks and coders but if you think about the consumer, um, none of us really needs to know how many wrinkles we have. We do know it ourselves, right? We see it. If they either bother us or they don't. And if they do, we, you know, we are our harshest, harshest critics. So we don't need to know if we are better or worse than majority of people in our age. It's just how we feel about us in our own skin. So I think the kind of the approach there is that just because we have that technology and we could build these face scanners, uh, it doesn't mean that it's a good idea to do that. And it doesn't mean that it's a good idea for it would create value for consumers, basically. And I think that's, um, that's what we see. And in best cases, it's a gimmick and consumer maybe uses this once or twice, but it's not something that you can build in a consumer habit just because there is no benefit of that habit for the consumer precisely. Right, right. So what you're saying, I suppose, is that perhaps the design of these apps has followed the advances in the technology and the interest around certain aspects like image recognition. But fundamentally, that's not necessarily plugging a gap or a need for consumers. Exactly, exactly that. I think the other aspect there is that we traditionally, you know, uh, makeup and skincare always go hand in hand, but we do need to understand that when it comes to technology approaches, when it comes to makeup and skincare, they're vastly different. This is the same image recognition technology can provide enormous value in makeup in terms of trying it on, playing with colors, even, you know, digital makeup, you know, maybe on Instagram, you don't need to actually apply a physical product. You can just color your skin. So with filters and obviously we see that and it works brilliantly. It's just very different uh, for skincare. So skincare is just a different animal. And I think companies also need to learn the differentiation in digital space between skincare and makeup is sharper. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, many of them do play in both sectors. Yeah. Um, moving forward then, and if we consider how the consumer app space might evolve, Maria, have you identified any particular spaces that you think industry really ought to be looking more closely at? Some of those consumer needs that you've mentioned we're not quite catering to yet? 
Yeah, I think we don't need even to reinvent the wheel. I think lots of things that we see uh, that are very successful and impactful in the offline world, we need to find ways to replicate it and scale it, make it more accessible in the digital space. And that's definitely this part of the skincare advice. So if we take high quality skincare advice that people may receive in cosmetic and dermatologist office or good estheticians office. That's kind of the our gold, you know, golden standard yeah. of what we should be trying to replicate when it comes to consumer apps in skincare. Because that's what creates trust and loyalty. And uh, that is something that, you know, I think many brands are very aware that, you know, the loyalty of consumers to brands is declining sharply. So people are more eager to switch brands than ever. Part of it is accessibility, but part of it it is just lack of trust because consumers precisely are lacking that trust in advice given to them by uh, by brands. And I think one aspect of that, uh, you know, high quality dermatologist or aesthetician's advice is that the expert focuses, first of all, on the person's skin first rather than on particular products. Mm-hmm. And second, then the full skincare routine is taken into account. So um, it's not just about saying, you know, you can apply. No dermatologist starts consultation by saying, hey, you just need to apply this moisturizer and it will solve all your skin problems. Right. Rather than it's walk me through who you are and what do you do to your skin, including the environment where you are um, in and also what kind of products do you use. And I think this is where also the conversation between branded and independent brands comes comes in is uh, I think big mistake that branded apps are making is only supporting the product of the brand. Right, so, right. And if you think about how many people use only one brand in their skincare, uh, to be honest, I don't know the numbers, but I would bet it's below 5%. So if our goal is to provide the best quality consumer advice, we need to start with the person first, their skin second and their existing full skincare routine and it doesn't matter if the if the app itself is branded or independent as long as it can advise the consumer on how to basically how to optimize their skincare in full and how to fit certain products to it in the best possible way so basically in a way you cannot um, before you give consumer advice uh, the app needs to understand what they're using right now in terms of skincare products and in terms of what impact it has on their skin. So this is, for example, the big differentiating factor we have in our own algorithms is that we are able to index and kind of understand in detail any skincare product that the person is using. Right, which forms the basis then of the recommendations made. Exactly, exactly. Just maybe one one point is that one other reason why I think brands should absolutely embrace that approach is because by not doing so, they're losing so much on intelligence, on understanding their consumers, because understanding what they actually use, what brands they use, what their habits are, it's just, just such a lost opportunity in the space. So basically just understand, just asking consumers what they're using right now, uh, seeing what types of products these are, how existing products, how brand products can fit into that, into that routine. And also this is the perfect way of identifying gaps. Yeah, yeah, definitely seeing or certainly also identifying any common trends or commonalities between consumers. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. 
I'm just keen to focus in on this word trust that's come up here. I'm, I'm curious to find out your thoughts on whether you truly believe that consumers will trust an algorithm over uh, a dermatologist or an expert in skincare or even their peers. Oh, oh I, um, I'm certain that it will never happen. So I'm <laughs> certain that, uh, that ex- like human Nothing can beat human-to-human trust. Uh, this is uh, when it's there; it's, it's extremely, extremely powerful. And I think that the the reason why we do need algorithm uh, algorithms and a little bit of uh, machine learning and in the space and technology is because it allows us to personalize at scale. So right. basically, if you if take a human expert approach, that is the personalization, but in a very, very kind of limited scale. Dermatologists can see only so many patients in a year, the same as with, um, with esthetician or even the best uh, sales consultant in a store. There are only so many customers they can serve in a year. And, um, you know, we, we do need to scale it, especially as people want to have more and more experiences just being digital. Uh, so um, I think we would rather be looking at augmenting uh, expert advice and human advice with uh, with technology. So right now, on our front, we are, we just started working on just the technology component of that. But I think uh, the future is definitely in, in com- combining those two. So just to give you an example, so I already know that some dermatologists and estheticians actually use uh, our apps, not, not so much the chatbot-based ones, but the, the core platform to quickly check their patient's or client's skincare routine and right. really flag when or where the potential issues are. Uh, so that's something is that this is a tool that is helping experts to make quicker, faster assessments and, and decisions. And this, the same is, uh, is true for uh, for influencers who look up the product first on our website and then carry on with kind of their more kind of human-based assessment of how the product feels and uh, their subjective uh, evaluation of it. So I think that that's where we are um, aiming aiming towards. Yeah, that sort of marriage of the app and the technology with the human aspect as well. Exactly. And I think the, the, the other aspect there is that dermatology is evolving field, definitely. And while there are certain things that are quite established, many things are still uh, debatable. And people uh, have, even dermatologists, they, they have different views on different skincare approaches. They might be not diverging hugely, but there's still differences. And, and um, you know, d- different dermatologists see success with different types of techniques and ingredients or definitely their favorite uh, approaches to, you know, to treatments. And uh, the algorithm can reflect that as well. So basically, it can be tailored to a philosophy of particular dermatologist or philosophy of particular brand, right? So that if, mm. you know, if we are talking about uh, clean beauty trends, then, you know, a, a particular brand's definition of clean, clean beauty can be reflected in the algorithm they're using when they are advising consumers who subscribe to their approach. So this future that you see then, Maria, is very much, it's going to evolve so that we're not necessarily seeing these apps solely in the consumer hands, uh, that we're having influence and recommendations coming in from elsewhere. And when we consider that, I'm interested in your view on how branded apps versus independent apps in the beauty space will play out. 
Yeah, I think the the first aspect there is um, I think the brand that succeeds in launching the first consumer app that will be inclusive enough in terms of including, allowing, uh, supporting other products uh, yeah. rather than of the brand itself that in the first place so that it's really matching closer the need of the consumer who is using many products on a daily basis. Uh, so I think that would be the first uh, success factor. The second one is this app really needs to embrace the approach that we are not focusing on uh, product as much. We are focusing on creating consumer experience in the first place and taking care of the consumer skin. And, and the business model needs to be adjusted for that. So be it a subscription subscription that a uh, consumer is paying or it uh, it can be still monetized through recommending the brand's products, but it, it's very important that the goal of that app needs to be help a consumer achieve a better skin, not push and market our own products as a sole goal of that. Because consumers are very smart and they sense that, you know, that the current branded apps are pretty much there to just, it's a different way of market the same, the same, basically the same products. And I think that's very, that's very important to hit it, to, to get, to get it right. And will it be a branded app that will make that breakthrough or will it be an independent one? Uh, we shall see because definitely there are, you know, the advantages and disadvantages on both sides. And reality is probably brands would need to try to do both really. So I think it makes sense for large brands to definitely play in the space and create their uh, branded apps that embrace that wide inclusive approach and potentially brand them actually as separate brands rather than even uh, putting an existing ones on it. Mm. Uh, and I think the, the brands would need to work with independent apps as well because uh, there will be diversity of approaches these apps will be taking. And I think the brands will need to select the apps that are closer to their philosophy, are closer to what their customers are looking for, and basically, you know, cooperate with those independent brands and in a way support them, using them as, a, as another distribution channel, really, or definitely as a path to market. Yeah, I'm wondering when you when you're explaining all of that, if there's perhaps a space for these multi-branded retail chains we see in health and beauty to participate there. You know, already they have digital platforms that offer hundreds of different branded cosmetic skincare products. Would they perhaps be well placed and would they gain the trust of consumers for an app in beauty? I think so. I think the I think beauty retailers in general that they could be naturally quite well positioned for that. I think you're absolutely right here. At the same time, I think what would be interesting for brands to explore is is using this technology and an approach and uh, see and, and seeing how it can enhance their direct to consumer offerings. Because the good thing about a digital space is it's quite pretty easy to supplement your offering. So even if, for example, if you are running a direct-to-consumer shop with your own products, you can absolutely partner with one of the big retailers to offer, for example, even competitor brands, mm-hmm. providing that, you know, that holistic experience for consumers so that you are you know, you you don't have to um, to market only your brand, only your products. You can you know you can kind of cherry pick and sell your flagship products and augment that or supplement them with products from uh, competitors. This way that you know you get your consumer gets the best value. You know the more about the consumer. You build the 
this trust, trust, uh, trust and advisory uh, relationship with the consumer, and you also have uh, have a control over uh, over the revenue as part of the partnership, even if you are not, for example, even fulfilling the full transaction. And um, Maria, if we consider all the the technology and the emerging and advancing fields in the space in the digital space. What are you most excited about and what areas do you think are really going to take off in the mobile app beauty world? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. I think the, the excitement that I uh, definitely have is around personalization. I know it's not the newest kind of trend and we've been talking about personalization for a long time, but I think it's one of those trends that will mature and they definitely will not go away because the idea that you can have something that is tailored to your unique needs, preferences, lifestyle, it's just precious, right? And it just gives value on so many levels from just having something that fits fits your skin well and actually has an effect to just this feeling that you are being treated as a unique human being and just more of emotional connection there that I am recognized for, you know, for how unique I am. So I think personalization is, is, is a big one. And here, um, I think we, again, we kind of need to be careful. The balance needs to be there. It's not just around kind of fancy cutting edge technology when it comes to understanding, you know, unique skin microbiome or, you know, even uh, the rate of transepidermal water loss of that particular individual because actually at the moment the value of this knowledge is very limited so we can build devices that measure many of these things i mean not so much microbiome but definitely the uh, transepidermal water loss but that doesn't uh, doesn't bring um, that much value to consumer but what does is more old school way that we actually experience in office of a dermatologist or a statistician is when the person is asking us about about our skin, about our preferences, and that in-depth understanding of consumer. I think that's uh, that's an area that that will I think will explode will explode and uh, we will see breakthrough in it. They will again they will not look like you know virtual reality trendy futuristic beauty store. They rather would mimic a good high quality conversation with a dermatologist yeah yeah well look it sounds like there's plenty that is happening and has happened already in the space but certainly much much more to come which will be really exciting to follow how it evolves and certainly how brands have their role within all of that so look thank you so much for taking time to talk to me today maria it's been really really fascinating and we'll be following closely what you and your company are doing in the coming months and years as well thank you so much Casey. it's been a pleasure well that's all from us at beauty 4.0 a podcast by cosmetics design europe bringing you everything you need to know about tech and innovation advances in the field